thank you for taking the time to listen to this life-changing message from the ministry of Faith Bible Chapel. We hope this message will encourage you in all parts of your life. At the end of this message, you will hear more information on how to contact our church family, as well as directions for you to visit us for any of our worship services. Until then, join us for the service in progress. So today, this is the final message on Fresh Start, and it's been a great series. I've heard great testimonies of God doing things in many of our lives, and uh, really excited to start the new series next week that, that, that I've called Thrive, Not Just Survive. And I'm talking about our relationship. Since it's February, it's the month of love. It's a really good time to talk about our relationships and how we can thrive in them biblically. But as we wrap up this, this series... I've been so thankful at what God has been doing in our lives. To to begin this series, it was God speaking to me and saying this, I want your church, like your, your, my, my, when I say my church, what I mean is this, the church that I go to, that I, I'm, I'm a congregant and I'm also a pastor. So this is, I want our church, this church to be healthy. That's what God said. And so I thought, man, God, what, what can I do to become healthy? And he was speaking to me, I, I, Jason, I want you to be healthy. And so I then began to look at all the different areas of all of our lives and the great privilege that I have to, to meet with many of you and to, to hear what's going on in your lives and to look at my own lives. And so we've, we've taken the last um, seven weeks to walk through how to become healthy in our emotions and our uh, mental health, our physical health, and our relational health, and we just continue to walk into that. And today, I'm dealing with something that affects every single one of us. And, uh, and it's always a touchy subject, but it's very, very important because this topic today is, uh, is, comes with tons of stress and worry and panic and all kinds of stuff. And, and so today, I want to be talking to you about a fresh start and seeing money from God's point of view. Amen. This is a big deal, and this affects every single one of us. And in Luke 16, there was a parable that's a very unusual parable. And uh, many times, a lot of people don't teach on this because it takes a lot of explanation to explain what Jesus was really saying. And so, but what's very interesting is it's a parable about an employee who uses dishonest methods to to, to kind of alter the books, to, to cook the books, to make things work out better for him. And so... Here is a parable about money. You think, why would God talk about money in the Bible? It must be a big deal because out of the 38 parables, Jesus told 19 of them about handling possessions. So baptism is important, which we celebrate here. But there are 16 times more verses in the New Testament handling money than devoted to baptism. So I guess God must be trying to say something. We know that the Lord's Supper is important or communion is is very important. There are 32 times more biblical statements about Christian financial management than the Lord's Supper in the Bible. So since Jesus had so much to say about it, I think we better pay attention. And the Lord has laid out some, some very powerful principles that if we will apply them, they will bring us to a healthier place financially. And I hope you really know that you can trust God's way of handling money. I hope you know that. I hope you believe that. But here's the question today for all of us. Can God trust you with handling money? We can trust God's way, but can God trust you? Today's message, it's, it's countercultural. 
You're not going to hear this from, from really any other place except from a church. So we're going to look at this about Jesus and what he says about money. Now, Jesus is talking to Pharisees. He's talking to people who, who, who love money. And uh, before I get into this, I want you to know today's message is not about giving. It's not about tithing. This message is about how to manage your money and to be healthy. I will talk about giving and tithing, but this is about how do, you, how do we manage our lives, including money, that allows us to be healthy. And so we want to think about money the way that God thinks about money. And because the reason this message is so important, because money is one of the greatest sources, as I've already said, of fear and worry. And then as you lean further into it, in most cases, it's the number one cause of fighting and tension and divorce. And I believe that God wants to give us his view of money, set us free so we can be healthy. So let's look at this unusual parable out of Luke chapter 16 today. And this is what Jesus, this is the story he tells. Jesus told his disciples there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and asked him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot, be, you cannot be manager any longer. The manager said to himself, what shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. In other words, I've been busted. So I'm not strong enough to dig. So he starts evaluating, what am I going to do with my life? I'm not strong enough to, to dig. I, I have what we would call palm olive hands because I, maybe I don't do a whole lot. I'm not strong enough to dig, and uh, I'm ashamed to beg. Um, I know what I'll do so, so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. So what does he do then? So he called in each one of his master's debtors, and he asked, asked the first, how much do you owe my master? 900 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, take your bill, sit down very quickly, and make it 450. Then he asked the second, how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat. And he replied, he told him, take your bill and make it 800. So all of a sudden, this manager, he's just cutting deals with people. How about this? How about that? You don't owe that. Now you owe this. So then he goes on. The master commended the dishonest manager. Now, isn't that weird that in the middle of that he says, and the master commended him. Well done. The dishonest manager. Why? Because he has acted Shrewdly. Everybody say shrewdly. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends. So you think, did Jesus just tell us use your money to buy some friends? Like just, just go out and buy your own friends since you can't get them yourself. So use your money to gain friends for yourselves so that when it's gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. This, is a, this, this, is, this whole passage is about money. 
And when you first look at this, it seems like Jesus is, is he's praising the, the dishonest guy. But actually, he's making a point about shrewdness. So what is shrewdness? It's not a word we use much anymore. Um, it, it's, it, actually, it probably comes with a negative connotation. Say, oh, you're shrewd. But shrewdness means this. It means to be smart. It means to be sharp. It means to be strategic. It means you're resourceful. It means... Um, when you see a problem clearly, you're able to evaluate it and see what needs to happen. And then you figure out how to do it. And God wants you to do this in your own life. He wants you to be biblically shrewd with your money for the rest of your life so that you can access God's blessings for your life. So here's the reality. Jesus is talking to Pharisees who are proud they're full of themselves. Their whole mission in life was, was, uh, was to find out what's wrong with everybody else and never examine their own life. You ever met someone like that? You're like, yeah, he's right here. No, don't do that. You see a lot of those people in church. A lot of people in church, boy, they like to, it's like they're like the, the watchman on the wall and they got the longest bony finger in the world and they're always pointing out someone's wrong. You know what that's called? It's called a pharisaical spirit. That people are always trying to find out what's wrong with you before they ever take a look at themselves. And Jesus is talking to them. And Jesus loved to kind of poke fun at the Pharisees. And, and I, I, I like to think I got a little bit of Jesus in me as well because I like to poke at that issue quite a bit. Because nobody likes a Pharisee. No one thinks, you know what, I'm going to go to a movie and go with someone who wants to judge me the whole time. Nobody, nobody wants to do that. And, and for some reason, we have plenty of those in churches across the United States. But Jesus loves to mess with them. He likes to pop their little self-righteous balloon and bubble that says, I know so much more than everyone else. And, and I have a, you know, I, it's not a real Ph.D., but it's an equivalent to Ph.D. of knowledge of what I have. And I, I'd be like, oh, gag me, please. Like, I, no one wants to hear how wonderful you are. Okay. And Jesus always messed with them. And so he, he began to, to, to push him a little bit. This parable was, he's pushing. Though he's talking to his disciples, the Pharisees were listening to them. So he's kind of poking fun at them and he's, and, he's, and he's dealing with some things. And this is what Jesus always does. I want you to hear this. He brings comfort to the afflicted because he's, he's good. But he also brings affliction to the comfortable. I want you to hear that for a second. He brings comfort to the afflicted, and, he, and, and while afflicting the comfortable at the same time. And that's actually what he's doing today as well. And this is what he's going to do with this message, I believe. If, and here's the reality. If you're, if you're in pain, if you're in any kind of pain, Jesus wants to comfort you. He wants to meet you. Jesus, he, 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 wants to, he wants to wrap his arms around you and, and, and be there for you today and help you take a step forward. But if you're comfortable in your life and haven't taken a step further to access all that God has for you, guess what? He's also going to make you uncomfortable. And so God doesn't want us to live in status quo. He wants us to move forward in these areas that are incredibly important because God wants for you his blessing. And he wants for you to, to live the life that he's called you to live. He's made available for you to live. But it takes something on our behalf to access that life. And so before we get into what we need to do with our money, I want to look at quickly what we shouldn't do with our money from this parable. Number one, we shouldn't be wasteful of money. In the, in the parable, it says that the manager wasted the master's possessions. And so why wouldn't we waste it? 
Well, according to the parable, because the, the, the servant or the manager should not waste what doesn't belong to him. So the manager was managing possessions that weren't his. So we shouldn't be wasteful, and I'll talk about that in just a moment. Secondly, we shouldn't, we shouldn't look to money to bring us security. How many know this is going to let you down every single time? My, my future is not linked to a dollar bill. It is linked to the goodness of God. Amen? And you need to know that as well. Then the manager said, I'm going to lose my job, so um, what am I going to do? And so he, he knew that things were going to change for him. And I know a lot of us feel, or actually a lot of us have walked through the same um, scenario where we've lost a job, and all of a sudden we don't have security anymore. And so that's why for us as believers, we, we always strive to never put our trust in anything, and I mean anything, that can be taken from you. If you put your security in your appearance, guess what? Life happens. I hate to tell you this, but your face is going to change. Your belly is going to change. Your thighs or your butt's going to change. I'm just telling you. Let's just be honest and real. Like if you put your security in that, you're going to be disappointed. If you put your security in your health, we know that, that we can lose our health. You put security in a job, again, you can lose your job. Security in your, in your marriage, well, when tragedy happens or, or, or things go, go wrong or someone j- decides to disobey God, listen, your marriage can come to an end. If you put your security in a loved one, you can lose the loved one. If you put your security in a bank account, guess what? The money can go away. But in order for you to be really secure, the center of your life has to be built around something that can never be taken from you. And there's only one thing, and that is God's love towards you and for you. That's it. It's true. God's love is unconditional. It doesn't change. We're never to be insecure about God's love for us. It's not based on who you are. His love is not based on who you are. His love is based on who he is. And that's why God is good and he loves you. I don't deserve it. You're right, but I love you anyway. Yes, but God, I've blown it again. Yeah, I know, but I still love you. It's like, but God, I don't deserve you. He said, it doesn't matter. I'm still here with you. You're going to get me whether you like it or not. This is the love of God. So we build our relationships on God's love, and that relationship will never fail you. Second thing we should not do with money, we shouldn't have a love affair with it. It should not be our, our, uh, our love affair, our mistress. It should not be. Jesus said this, no one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate one or love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. He doesn't say you shouldn't serve. He says you cannot. It is impossible, impossible to serve God and money. You can't look to it to meet your deepest Needs, which is so interesting because all of us, we think, oh, God, if I just had a little bit more money. God, if I, oh, man, I'm facing this. If I just had a little bit more money. We always think of money. The bottom line is this, that we cannot look to money over looking to God. He has to be centered. God wants our hearts. And if, if, if you got to, if you have to choose, and all of us do, you have to choose what's going to be number one in your life. And you can't have two number ones. 
You can't say my number one is to, is to have lots of money so all my needs are met. And then my other number one is to love God with all of my heart. That doesn't work. It has to be one. You're going to have to decide. And the next one that we should not do with money is you shouldn't look to it to give us our value. Which for, for men, this is something that we struggle with quite often. But you need to know this, our valuables do not determine our value in any way. So don't, don't, don't think I have, a lot of, uh, I have a lot of stuff, so therefore I have a lot of worth. It doesn't work that way. You are worth something because God decided that you were worth something. Because you were so valuable to him, he sent his son to die for you, to give his life for you, so you could live the life that he has purchased for you already. That, that's, that's where your value comes from. And so I, I believe as we, as we walk through this message today that you're going to be challenged and you're going to put these principles in place. And so the first principle now, what should I do with money? Number one, you should realize it all belongs to God. You must realize that. Everything ever created belongs to God. This church belongs to God. This building belongs to God. My life belongs to God. My car, your car, your house, your body, your mind, your name, your husband, your wife, your children, your dog belongs to God. Cats, they don't belong to God. They're of the devil. If you're a cat lover, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Listen, we don't own anything. Everything we have is on loan from God. He's like, here, I want you to take care of this. You, you didn't own it before you were born, and you're not going to own it after you die. It's not yours. In this story, the owner has all the property, and he lets the manager take care of the property. That is us. The master is God. The manager is us. And God's put things in your life under your management. Everything you have is a gift from God. You, you, you'd have nothing if it wasn't for God. You have nothing. It's all a gift. God's love for you is a gift. Your life is a gift. Your, your, your brains, your intellect is a gift. Your thoughts You'd say, yeah, but man, listen, I work my own two hands to get this. Well, who gave you your own two hands? It's all a gift from God. It all belongs to God. But it's all on loan, and it's really God's, and he's loaned it to you, and God is seeing what you're going to do with it because we are all in management. And if you start looking at everything in your life this way, that you really don't own anything, all of a sudden you'll sense this stress, this anxiety, this, this worry, this compulsion, this, this drive that d d keeps you up at night and, and it's not in a good way and, and stresses you out. All of a sudden your contentment is going to go up in life if you realize everything I have belongs to God. That's why you should get in your car after the service and sit there and say, and you know, God, this isn't my car. This is your car. It's good for you. Let your family hear you say, this isn't my car. It's God's car. You go home, you walk through your, your house. I don't care if you designed it and you think, but I put so much work into this. Listen, God gave you the ability to put the work into it. Say, God, this house belongs to you. It's not my house. You sit down, you eat your meal. God, this, this, this plate is not mine. It's yours. This silverware, it's not mine. You're cooking your pot. God, thank you for loaning this pot to me because it would be hard to cook this hamburger. And if I didn't have the pot, 
What you, we need to reprogram our minds and our hearts that nothing, everything we have belongs to God. And God, we get to take care of it. And if you have children, here's the, here's the beautiful thing if you have children. You can say at times, God, your son over there. <laughs> listen, your daughter, she just gave me the look. I Listen, take care of her. No, but here's the reality. Our children are in loan to us. We're managers of our children. And here's the beautiful thing about it. If God's the owner, then when things come up, we can ask God for them. Hey, God, my son's about to turn 16, and uh, he's going to need a car. And I need you to provide a car for him. God, so I'm just going to ask you, your son needs a car. God, I, listen, just so you know, because of sin, and you know all about this, God, my kid's teeth are crooked. Sin has caused crooked teeth in the world. They need some braces. God, I'm going to ask you to, to meet me and to provide the, the means. God, you, you know, your children that you've asked me to manage and to care for, um, God, they're going to need a Christian education. Because with all the laws that are being passed and, and them bring, being taught the world's view of life, the world's view of sexuality, and them not being able to stand up for what they believe. And God, I, I'm going to ask you for provision so my kids can go to Faith Christian Academy. God, is it, God, they're your children. And so I can ask you for things because we limit our prayers based on what we see in our bank accounts. Verses are saying, God, well, I'm going to believe you for things that you, since you own everything already, hey, can you, uh, could, 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 could you help me out over here? That's where our mind needs to go. Here's the point. If I'm in charge, if I'm God and, and I'm the master of my fate, what that means is this. I've got to pay for it all. I've got to worry about where it's coming from. But if, I, if I'm really just a child of God. Just his child. He's loaned me these things, and I'm the manager of these things. I can go to the master and take care of things that he's loaned me. I can go to him, hey, can you help me with this? I'm having a hard time with this one. Because he's the owner. Isn't that good news? God owns it all. That is good news. The second thing we should do with money is realize that money is a test of my character. God uses money to test us. Now, before you start beating yourself up because there were areas of your life that you failed last year and, you know, you're, maybe you're struggling even today, I want you to remember something. God is the God of forgiveness, just so you know. He is the God of restoration. He gives us grace to start over. He gives us the ability just to be honest with where we're at and then God help me to move forward. But money is a test. Life is a test. Life is temporary. And, they, and actually our whole life is a temporary assignment that's connected to eternity. And this is very important for us to understand. This life is preparation for our next life. That's what it is. And so that's why we're to live it and to walk in it in a way that is honoring to the Lord. But I believe the tool God uses the most to test us in our, in our faith and our character to evaluate our character is finances. The Bible says if you're faithful with little things, then he can trust you with much. That's what the Bible says. How I spend my money reveals what I love the most. Whatever you love the most is what you're going to give your most time to, you're going to give your most, your most money to. And really our money reveals to us where we have our faith and where we have put our trust. That's what our money reveals to us. So, but trust looks like something. 
So trust looks like something. So if we say, God, I trust you, that looks like something. So I've done this before. I won't do it today. But if I did a trust fall and I said, here, turn here, face that direction. Now fall backwards. And, and, and then before they fell, you're like this. I don't know. Are you going to catch me? Just trust me. So trust, it's an action. You, you gotta, if I say I trust you, I trust you to, to take care of my home because I'm going on vacation. It means I trust you to do something and to make sure my home is okay. This is a trust thing. And so Proverbs 11.28 says this, trust in your money <laughs> and down you go. But the godly, those who trust God, flourish like leaves in the spring. So if you put your trust in money, you're going to go down. But if you put your trust in God and how we handle our finances, we're going to flourish like the leaves in the spring. Trust is an action. It's an action. And because I believe that finances is one of the areas that God tests our character the most, it is really, a, it's, it's, a, uh, it's an acid test really to what's going on in the rest of our lives. In our marriage, with our families, in our own personal lives, whether we're honest with our, on our taxes or not, it's really a test. A pastor friend of mine that I speak to often, he's been in ministry for 37 years, and I, I always call uh, other pastors and, hey, I'm going to be teaching on this. Do you have any thoughts? And, um, you know, help, help me. This is what I'm going to pray. Because I just, I like to get wisdom and I'm always gathering information because I want to do my best for you guys. And, and so I talked to him about it and he said this. He said, listen, he said, um, when he meets with people who are having trouble in their marriage and, or in their finances or in their life or with children, um, this is what he asked them. He says, are you tithing? Are you giving regularly through your church? Whether some of them don't go to his church or not. And he says, in almost every case, they say no. Almost every case. So he challenges them to begin to act in faith and put their trust in God. First, by allowing God to have, to have their finances. And he said the testimony of their lives that have turned around with people who said, all right, because money is the foundation of everything. It, because it's, it's our provision. It's how we take care of our family. It's how we go on vacation. It's, how, it, it's very, very important. It's how we pay for health insurance. It's, it's yeah, but, uh, yes, but, and so there's always this tension. And, you know, it's, 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 it's very important to us. And so the moment that we say, God, I'm giving you the foundation of that which I'm holding on to, and I'm giving you priority in that finances, everything else begins to fall in order. It happens time and time and time again. That's why it's important for me and my own personal life. I give God the first fruits. I want, I want, I want him to have it. It's, it's, it what, listen, God, I'll, I'll give you 10 or, or what, whatever the percentage that, that I, I want to go um, after that. Because, God, why do I do that? Because you give me 90. I mean, that's a pretty good deal, you know. And so we, we begin to trust God. God, I want you to have the first fruits, meaning it comes straight off the top. Because for me, it says, God, you come first in my life. God, I put you first. Lord, I, I'm, I'm going to, this is my opportunity to flourish like the leaves in the spring. I'm going to put my trust in you before I put my trust in my dollar. Are you guys with me today? Does that make sense? 
So our money reveals what we trust, if we trust God or not. It's just the reality. That's why Jesus spoke of it so often. It reveals if I trust God. Luke 16, 11 says this, if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? Now, this is crazy. So you think, what in the world? This isn't just about management. What do you mean, Jason? I manage things really well. Okay, um, how generous are you? And so it says this, and if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? Jesus says, how I handle money determines how much God can bless my life. I didn't say that. Jesus said that. There's a direct connection between spiritual power and how I handle my possessions. It's, it's, it's very biblical. There's a direct connection between God's blessing in my life and what I do with my money. And I know this is a very difficult message to, to teach because you're just like, oh, don't mess with my money. But, it, but, it's, but this is the truth. Of God. I want you to walk in God's absolute best for your life. I do. That is my heart. And I know the way that we can all do that together is to, is to put some biblical principles into practice in, in our lives. Now, please hear me. Again, this message is called Fresh Start. Or this series is called Fresh Start. Because these, all these areas of our life, we need fresh starts in them. And God is the God of new beginnings. And he's waiting for us to put our faith in him and begin to take a step forward with our finances. Number three, what do we do with our, with our money? Realize that if I am faithful with what I have. He will trust me with more. That's actually what the Bible says. If we're faithful with what I have. So Luke 16 says this. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little can also be dishonest with much. And so here, here's, here's, um, here's a question. Are you using your money in such a way that God says, I want to give you more? This is called a pregnant pause. I just asked the question. <laughs> Are you using your time in such a way that God wants to give you more? This is a biblical principle that if we use it the way that God has called us to use it, then God will increase whatever it is that you're using. He will increase your possessions. He will increase your material possessions. And this is God's principle in Scripture. Now, many of us, what happens is we compare what they have with what I have. And that's, that's not the way that we're to do this. We're just to look at God. What have you given me? What, was, what is my lot in life? And this, you gave me $5? God, I'm going to be faithful with $5. And then if I'm faithful with that, I, Scripture says that God will, God will give you more. And so to say, yes, but I, I mean, that's not fair. They get, listen, it doesn't matter on anyone else. What matters is between your, you're the manager, he's the master, and we follow him. And so this is what a lot of us say. You know what? When I make it big, when the deal goes through, then I'll give. Then I'll do that. Then I'll begin giving. Then I'll start tithing. But here's the reality. That's not going to happen. This is what I believe. You start tithing and giving when you're poor, that's how you get out of poverty. I believe that with all of my heart. You start managing well, 
with what God's given you, and he can trust you with more, and our priorities are right. And this is what I believe, and this is what I believe God's like. God's waiting to pour his blessing out on all of us. He really is. And the question is, are we using our money in such a way that God says, if you will do this, then I will do that. Number four, what do we do with our money? Realize that the best use of our money is to get people into heaven. Amen to that. It's the best use. Best use. Luke 16, 9. Here's, here's the lesson out of this. Use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. Then, when your possessions are gone, they will welcome you to an eternal home. This is about investing into eternity. He says, just like this dishonest manager made friends that he could count on later. So he, he like situated it so that at, when he loses his job, he can hang out with someone else because he cut them a break. This is what God's saying. You, use your money to make spiritual, eternal friends that you're going to have forever who will welcome you, think about this, who will welcome you to an eternal home, which is heaven. This is one of the reasons why we give. Why, why God gave us money so we can partner with him. So we can be a part of his kingdom. This is why God established the church of Jesus Christ. For the people who call a particular church, your home church, to be able to invest their love, their care, and support, and partner together with our money to get people into heaven. This is about getting people into heaven. And this is why it's very important. That the way that God has, has laid out the structure is, is, is you know, we're to give into the community that God's called us to be a part of. And if this is your home church, then, then that's what God's saying. You give to your family to help support the family, reach other people. And so many times we can give, well, no, I tithe to missions or I tithe to, to Israel. Listen, that's great you're giving, but that's not the biblical model of giving. You're to give into the community and the family and the storehouse. Bring your tithe into the storehouse. The storehouse is that which feeds you. And you say, yeah, but that's, that's Old Testament. Okay, New Testament is give everything that you have. <laughs> You're like, I, yeah, my Old Testament is totally good. I'm good with that. <laughs> the, the, listen, the New Testament model is they shared. They, they, they just poured everything in one bucket. And if you need it, I'll take some of that out. I'll take this land. Oh, you sell that land. But if you sell the land, you lie about selling the land, then you're going to die. So you think, okay. That's Ananias and Sapphira. So there's, you know, here's the reality. We bring it to the family that God's called us to be a part of. If, now let me tell you, if you don't do it, you're not going to be cursed. Jesus took the curse. You're not going to be cursed. But if you do it, he will open up a door for God's blessing on your life because you are trusting by faith to take that step forward. What he's saying is use your money to build relationships between others and God, spiritual friendships. And because here's the deal, think about this. That's all that really matters. One day someone else is going to be in your position. Someone else is going to hold your title. Someone else is going to own your company. Someone else is going to live in your house. And over a period of time, I don't mean to sound depressing, but no one will remember any of those earthly things. No one. No one. But as Christians, now hear me, as Christians, 
we get the chance to choose what we're remembered by in heaven. We get the chance. And are you investing in the direction of what you want to be remembered by? Are you doing that? That's between you and God. And the Bible says when you invest into getting people into heaven, it says this, they will welcome you when you get there. Imagine one day all of us were going to pass away. You get to heaven, there's a hundred people waiting for you, standing there at the entrance. Welcoming you. That's what the scripture says. We've been waiting for you. And you're looking at them like, I've never seen you before. And you're like, yes, but you invested into your church so the good news can be proclaimed. And I got saved one Sunday morning. You didn't, you didn't, you don't know me, but I know you. I'm here because you chose to be faithful. It was, it was the way you used your money that, that allowed the message to get to me. The question for us today, are you using any of your money to accomplish that kind of thing? Is anybody going to be in heaven because of you? Because of the way you used your finances? And I could just imagine some of your conversations, and I'm so happy for you. Because you're going to get to heaven, and someone's going to say, hey, listen, you, you gave and you tithed at Faith Bible Chapel. And uh, because of that, they were able to, to put structure together to have small groups. And, and I was able to get in a small group, and it saved my marriage. And because of the saved my marriage, it gave my, my children a, a healthy home. And they're serving the Lord, and, and they're going to meet us here one day as well. But it's because you gave that I'm here in heaven, or it helped me feel love. One person can say, listen, I was at the end of my rope. I was on the verge of suicide. I was depressed, and I came. And during worship, God met me. He transformed me. He delivered me. That's because you gave. You gave. You gave. And, and they're going to say, thank you. That's what Jesus is talking about. That's what he's saying. That they, as we invest our finances, that we're investing into something that cannot be taken away. But we are preparing our welcome party in heaven. This is a big deal. Because you, someone's going to say, because you gave, you don't know my name, but uh, I was saved in Sunday school. I gave my life to Jesus up in a little classroom. Because you gave, because you invested into the church that God had called you to be a part of. As a teenager, I made some really bad decisions and I was at the end of my rope. And because you gave, Faith Student Ministries reached out to me, ministered to me, strengthened me, gave me a place to hang out, gave me a place to be, gave me a place I could call home. And then these leaders loved on me and gave me a hope and I gave my life to Jesus because you decided to give faithfully to Faith Bible Chapel. Someone's going to say, well, my life was full of regret and shame. After running from God, I'd made horrible decisions. I was reminded of God's love and forgiveness. And I gave my life back to God in church one Sunday because you gave. God has given us money to create opportunities to get people in to heaven. And it's an honor doing it with you. But he's also given us the opportunity to step into more provision for us if we will position our lives to be obedient to what he says 
in his word. And these are things between you and God. Are you investing into heaven? Is anyone going to be there because of your faithfulness? Is there going to be a welcome party for you? Doesn't mean you're, you somehow you're not going to go. And this is nothing to do about salvation. This just has everything to do with what do you want to be remembered by? And are we using any of our finances to faithfully give to the church family that God has called you to be a part of so that we can reach more people for Jesus, bring them into heaven, that together, together we can celebrate when we get there. We hope that this message has spoken something personal to you. If you would like more information about our church family or service times, please call us at 303-424-2121 or visit us at our website, www.fbci.org. Faith Bible Chapel currently meets in our Family Worship Center, located on the corner of 62nd Avenue and Ward Road.